0: Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. I am your host, Mr. Hare, and I am joined with my co-host, as always, Mr. Lumpkin. And Mr. Moreland. Hello. And today we are excited to be joined by one of the courageous, creative, one of the most artistic teachers we have in our building, the ever-lovely Miss Papp, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So we're going to go over some quick news stories with you today. A couple of things we want to draw to people's attention. I've got a couple of guys here that got some great ideas. Mr. Moreland, uh, what do you want to uh, tell our, our listeners about this week?
2: Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big Bob Ross fan. And uh, in Michigan... Bob Ross's legacy is helping inmates plant happy little trees throughout state parks. That's amazing. Aww. So, uh, every, uh, I think every year or so they get about a thousand new trees from native seeds that have been uh, collected by volunteers and they're used to replace, uh, trees that have been damaged or destroyed in the, in the state parks. So inmates help grow those. It gives the prison inmates a chance, to, you know, for rehabilitation. And, uh, maybe we'll put a link to the website, that i'm looking at right now on on the uh, podcast somehow but absolutely there's a way to purchase a bob ross t-shirt to help support the program well we're definitely going to put that in the show notes go ahead Ms. yeah
1: that's fantastic i love that quick news story yes ma'am um i guess we're not going to talk about the clean water right now
0: not yet we can bring that up when we get to our our second section but just anything you want to point out anything good news anything you see around the school Anything at all that caught your eye this week? Good
1: news. This week we made huge advances with yearbook. We have decided on our theme. Excellent. And our style guide. Is there
0: any way we can convince you to to let the cat out of the bag now?
1: No, never. (laughs) My lips are sealed.
0: You can't blame me for trying. No. Mr. Lumpkin, what have you got for us this week?
3: Oh, it's been kind of a slow week for myself. But I'm definitely seeing some excitement coming from the Anime Club and Video Game Club where they're putting together the videos right now to try and get some interest going on and try and promote ourselves a little bit. So I'm happy to be working with them. I think I'm going to be working with... I know Gabe tomorrow to try and get some of that together.
0: Well, so we'll I I can say for sure I have seen some of these videos. They look really good. They left some artwork in my room that they'll never get back because I'm keeping it all to myself. I want to thank the art the anime club for leaving the artwork uh, of the five uh, heroes that we have from Shonen Anime. That uh, This is, again, great for uh, audio medium. But that being said, <laughs> the one thing I want to bring everyone's attention to Practice What You Teach is now on Twitter. Thanks to the great efforts of my two co-hosts who have made this happen. You can reach us at at PWUT podcast. Again, that's at PWUT podcast. You can reach out to us. We have a poll on there right now. In fact, we're going to get the results of that poll in a new segment, which we're on the air in the moment adding right now. And before we do our layup topics, the poll we had last week, it was posted by our podcast man, Mr. Moreland. Would you mind telling us what that poll was and what the results
2: were, Mr. Moreland? So last week, we talked about superheroes at the end of our uh, podcast. And then we had some discussions about who we liked, who was our favorite hero, etc. And Spider-Man came up a lot. I mean, maybe not as much as, you know, other heroes. But I, I mm-hmm. thought he was a popular choice. And so I asked the audience who was the best Spider-Man actor. The choices were toby Maguire from you know the original mm-hmm. series, the, Spider-Man, the mid to Spider-Man the early 2000 two thousand series, yes, mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield from the Amazing Spider-Man movies, absolutely, Tom Holland from the Spider-Man, you know, Far From Home and the Homecoming, the homecoming series. series, and then finally nobody really understood this: Chris Pine and Jake Johnson, who were the voice of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Absolutely. A
0: great cartoon movie, which I enjoyed thoroughly. I did as
2: well, and I'm excited. There's rumors of a sequel coming. So There are. Hopefully it will be a good thing. So who won the poll? Who came out on top? Well, we only had 10 votes, and full disclosure, I voted for Tobey Maguire as well, Uh, but the winner was Tobey Maguire with 50% of the vote. Andrew Garfield only received one vote, and Tom Holland, close second with 40%. Had I not voted, it would have been a tie.
0: Well, that is the duty here is to make sure there are no ties. We always want to make sure that we have someone coming out on top in our polls. That's going to be our first poll. The new poll will be on Twitter, so be on the lookout for that. We'll have a brand new poll. will be launched tonight or maybe even tomorrow morning. That being said, I want to lay out the topics of the week. First thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about our last episode, episode three, and then we're going to also go into a club news recap. From there, we're going to recap the third week of our school year and then go right into the school news for the week four, And starting with the second football opponent. And then we're going to talk about our other sports because it's more than just football going on in Manassas Park. We're going to have some club updates. So the anime club, the game club, the step team's got news, and the chess club also has news. And then from there, we're going to pull up some interesting news. Following that, we're going to have our burning question, and then we're going to have an interview with Miss Pat. After that, we're going to outro and get on out of here. So let's get right into it. We're going to do a club news recap. I know the anime club was set to meet to have their first interest meeting. It was held here in room 250. Game club, I'm not sure if they've met or not, but with the two advisors for both clubs sitting with me, they're going to kind of give us some more information. Mr. Lumpkin, how did it go with Anime Club this past week?
3: Well, we met for the first time actually, yeah, yesterday at 250. That's um, going to be
0: a start not to catch up yesterday, which is going to be Wednesday, uh, September 11th
3: there we go and we met and we discussed some things we actually have a possible con that we're looking forward to this year and I believe we've, we've determined that our meetings are going to end up changing which we'll talk about when we get to the club updates but it looks like Mondays are going to be a lot better for most people but we're definitely got some big goals in sight for this coming school year I'm excited.
0: Excellent. Again, last year, I know they had the commission artwork, which again was one of my favorite parts. I have several pieces of art from our talented students, including the one that sits in my room now. Now, Mr. Moreland, if you've got any news about Game Club, would you mind sharing that with us today?
2: Game Club is set to have schedules this this year. We're going to have uh, specific themes or specific events happening. For example, the next uh, meeting of the game club, I'm going to bring my PlayStation three and I have a vast collection of fighting games that I'm going to bring in as well, including Jojo's all-star battle. I'm looking forward JoJo's to that, Blizzard by the Adventure way, your fan. Uh, and just to link back uh, because I'm involved with the anime club as well. We were planning on making websites for both clubs, anime club and game club are going to have their websites, which we'll try to figure out a way to get those out to the, let the students see what's going on with it, with both clubs. And just to piggyback on what Mr. Lumpkin said, the two cons we're looking at possibly going to are uh, Kigacon and and ooh, what's the other one? I have it on uh, here. Star Hill, Star City, Star Anime, Anime Twenty Twenty. So where are these located? Kigacon is in Christopher Newport at Christopher Newport New, Newport University in uh, Newport News, Virginia. Star City Anime is in Roanoke, so it's got a little, little, little bit of a trek, but we're we're kind of hoping star city we'll have to let the students decide but the reason we say star city is because that's the way we can link both clubs together they also have a gaming uh panel at the event they have video games tabletop games and the gaming club has morphed into a video game tabletop game club more than just video games definitely considering
3: all the overlap that we're seeing in the different groups communities and how we're getting along it would it would be great for us to join forces and see what we can do Mm -hmm. to actually get Uh, a column like this going.
2: It is the more expensive of the two cons, but we're going to be playing a lot of fundraisers, a lot of ways to raise money. And if we're both combining our forces in game club and anime club, that could be something that could actually be a potential Success, But we'll see. Absolutely.
0: Cons are always exciting. I remember the first time I went to a a local Comic-Con in Virginia Beach. had a great time. actually met a couple of creators. Uh, Now, I know, Ms. Pap, you've got a club. Would you like to tell us about what's going on?
1: Sure. I'd love to. Um, GLI, Girls Learn International. This year, we're going to see a couple of changes. Emma Hardy was our founder last year. She was a senior and graduated. And her younger sister, Abigail Hardy, is going to be our student president. And uh, the lovely Miss Bartman is going to join me as a co-sponsor, and we're going to have our first interest meeting in the upcoming couple of weeks, so students should pay attention to those announcements. And if they're interested, it is a national, actually international organization, and you do qualify for cords, and we do a lot of amazing service events. Last year, for example, we sent books to a school in Sierra Leone to a lot of uh, deserving kids primarily girls learn international promotes education for girls all around the world but we're equal opportunity we think all people have a right to an education
0: Excellent. And that's great news to hear. I'm glad they're sending books. I hope they continue to do their community service. And anything you want to let us know, we'll be glad to shout them out on the podcast. Thank you. So a couple more things I want to talk about. The STEP team, we had our first two meetings this past week on Tuesday of this week, which will be the 10th. And today, Thursday, the 12th, we are looking for new members. So if you're interested and want to get involved... see me mr Hare, in room 250 and we'll see about getting you in to the club and having you try out in addition the chess club has finally selected leadership so we're going to start to put together some meetings stay tuned for details but we will get that out to the student body at large now i wanted to bring up the uh the teams that are going to be participating like i've said we have more than just football here at Park high school we've got girls jv volleyball they'll be playing at 6 p.m on tuesday september 10th we also have the varsity team playing at 7 PM that same day. They'll both be playing Stonewall on Thursday, September 12th. That's tonight. We've got girls varsity match of golf there. That's against Osborne. Excuse me that's going to be boys golf. And then we have volleyball JV girls and varsity girls tonight versus Osborne. Both of those are away. We also have our Friday football game, Friday, September 13th. We've got an away game against Parkview, which is in Sterling, Virginia. And then on Saturday, September 14th, the girls have a varsity tournament, which is away at Falls Church. And Cross country is going to get involved in the action. We've got an away game against Riverside. And then the girls are also going to be away at Riverside. That being said, all of our sports from this week, we wish all of our teams the best of luck. We want them to come home with a victory. Now, I want to go ahead and move on directly into some interesting news. I know Mr. Lumpkin went ahead and grabbed us a story offline. And I know he was really interested to share it with us. So what you got, Mr. Mr. Lumpkin? So, as a student, or
3: well, as an adult who has dealt with uh, a lot of stress in my life, personal stuff that I probably wouldn't want to share on a podcast, but you know, um, I kind of understand that life is is can be very troublesome. And that working with so many students from so many diverse backgrounds, bringing all the stuff that comes with you know life nowadays in the modern era, whether that be the the bad news you're seeing out there on media or things that we have to deal with in life. Uh, I thought it was really interesting to come across this article where it was asking if students should get mental days off from school. Uh, A couple different states, Oregon being the main one in the article, was talking about how uh, they've put recently passed laws that were really supported by students, by teenagers, to actually put forth uh, a means for students to say, hey, I need this time. I need to pay attention to myself. I need to work on myself and my mental health to be able to come back another day and actually be in a healthier mindset i thought that was really interesting i thought it was really cool that students themselves were actually going about backing and supporting this because i know myself as a professional whether that be as a teacher or in other jobs that i've worked there's just some days where life gets you down and it, it can come from a number of different places it can come from either personal trauma or it can just come from uh, illnesses that you might be dealing with. And I I thought that it was really nice that, and a good sign of where we're going as a community uh, or as a culture to look on a more like national scale to realize that we're actually looking at mental health, mental illness, whichever way you want to look at it much more seriously to treat it as we would any other illness. I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to bring that forth. And honestly, I would like to hear what other students would hear about, say about it if anyone was listening.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that we, we never treat mental health as seriously as we should. Mm-hmm. It becomes a pejorative to say that one person is quote unquote crazy. Yeah. Um, I think with the current initiative in our school to treat the whole child or educate the whole child, uh, we should be looking deeply at, hey, you know, let's talk about what's going on with you to get to a deeper understanding of that. Um, Mr. Miss, Mr. 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 Ms. Pat, Mr. Moreland, you guys have any ideas on that?
1: I do think it's interesting that anytime you can't visually see a disease, we have this problem with addiction too. Mm-hmm. people who struggle yeah. for, with addiction. A lot of, I think this sort of, the negative aspect to that is a lot of people think, well, you can control it. I mean, it's, you, you know, you're making the decision. Other people get cancer. They don't ask for it. Like you're you're smoking or you're doing, taking that pill. Sure. And I think with mental health, you have a lot of the same types of biases where people say, well, you know, cheer up, just like grin and bear it. And nobody promised you life would be great. Like roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yes, ma'am. Definitely growing up in an Eastern European household.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Gives you yeah. a slightly different <laughs> that perspective. Was the,
1: uh, that was the basic Emma one.
2: <laughs> I can only imagine. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Moreland, what do you think about this? Uh, I think that it's a very complicated problem, and I think that it has kind of been fallen by the wayside. I don't think that doing nothing about it is a good idea, but I think that oftentimes is typically what, what's done. Sure. Unless sure. you seek help, help's not going to be given to you. And while that makes sense because you don't want to stigmatize people, at the same time, there's got to be ways for us to, you know, figure out what's wrong and then, you know, find ways to fix it. In the past, they had, you know, institutions that people would be taken to either voluntarily or involuntarily. Those have been gotten away, they've gotten done away with because of, you know, obvious infringements on people's freedom and, you know, privacy and security. But with the rise in mental health problems, it's just you know, tough to figure out what to do about it. And
1: people are trying.
2: But you know, one of the results
1: of that, I have a dear friend of mine who I've known 20 plus years. Her brother is mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And because there are no institutions and there are no programs to help her, he is homeless and lives on the street. And every Mm -hmm. year she has to try to find him and give him a new tent and a new winter coat. And there's no support.
2: Yeah. And that's the thing. Instead of having some place that's like a medium, like a middle ground between what was, which was probably not the best thing, we don't even have anything now. There's no middle ground.
1: And also our prisons are full of mentally ill people. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine you've actually committed a crime and then you end up in prison? So you know, you've ruined your life, you've ruined your family's life. And now you're sitting next to someone who's mentally ill.
2: Yeah, they're probably not getting the treatment that they need there either. No, certainly not.
0: Sure.
1: Scary for everybody.
0: It is. And and that being said, this is good news that there are states that are providing these sorts of mental health days to their student bodies. Now I want to transition over to Mr. Morland. I know you had brought up a new story you were interested in.
2: Uh, anything that we want to direct the students to? Oh yes, I, I mentioned the Bob Ross Absolutely. article at the beginning. But in addition to that, uh, there's other stories. The website that I go to, you asked for earlier, goodnewsnetwork.org. Is where you find good news stories. Like I mentioned uh, previous podcasts, I don't, you know, I don't like to dwell too much on the negative. I mean, there's so much negative in the world that, you know, sometimes it's good to just look at positive news stories. Uh, for example, I'm looking at the site right now, and they have images of landscapes of Iceland and Greenland from a bird's eye view, and you wouldn't normally think about these images. You know, it's really hard to talk about in a podcast. Of course, <laughs> <Before with> Mr. Lumpkins. <laughs> uh, well, I'm it's enjoying worm that, so it's week, the, worm. <laughs> the worm. But yes, these are these are wonderful images of of aerial views of Iceland and Greenland. And Mr. Lincoln, could you express what you think of these verbally, so the oh, audience? Wow, wow. amazing! <laughs> oh wow, that's
3: actually
0: pretty incredible. What is again? That? This is a great for an audio <laughs> podcast. <sighs> Just imagine what we'll do is how
3: beautiful Maybe these must Instead link.
0: of imagining I will put a link in the show notes so anyone who would like to see these images can see these images. Oh that's Ooh. Ah. Now, Miss Pap, I know you were <laughs> chomping at the bit to bring out a story that you thought was pretty important. Would you like to share that with us now?
1: So I have a really interesting story. It's not in the news this min- minute, but it's always in the news as a recurring theme, which is about clean water. Yes, ma'am. And I think we all assume we turn on the tap and clean water comes out and you go to a water fountain and that's clean water. And what a lot of people don't really understand is our fish and our amphibians tell us about the health of our water. Absolutely. And for over 50 years now, we have, as in the medical field, been giving people hormones. And hormones treat a lot of different diseases and conditions, which is amazing. But hormones are something that water treatment plants cannot remove from water. So we actually have more and more hormones in our drinking water. In the Chesapeake Bay right now, there are fish and amphibians being born with both sex organs. And that's really a scary thought. So one of the things that I'm really excited about is that I just moved to a house with a well where I don't have to rely on my drinking water coming from a water treatment plant. But this is just one of many things. We, we assume that pollution of water means we're throwing trash in water or chemicals are getting spilled by big companies. And actually, Hormones are a really big worry.
0: Absolutely. I know that when I was coming up, as I've told many times I grew up in New Jersey, right after Hurricane Floyd hit us, we could not drink the tap water. And this is not some, I did not grow up in a backwoods area. I grew up in a very suburban, very urban area. And we got all of our water from the, the Raritan Reservoir. And because of the hurricane, there was, it had turned up and shut down the water treatment, the sewage treatment plant. So all of the sewage had backed up into our drinking supply. And I I distinctly remember my parents, my mother boiled the water to make it clean and all of the scum rose to the top. So Mm -hmm. be careful with your drinking water, especially coming out of the tap. You made to make sure you're getting clean water. I know Mr. Lumpkin, I know this is your area. You've got to have something to say. Oh, I was
3: smirking uh, the whole time because that was the first research project I helped work in my undergraduate studies was working on exactly that. The hormones that would come from either from the animal industry or more particularly the extra hormones that uh, would be uh, left behind after like uh, birth control pills. Absolutely. In, in particular, that I believe that might have been the one you were even re- uh, re- referencing, was I was helping look at some of the research that was involved in the reproductive patterns with zebrafish that were very much so affected. Um, and other amphibians and other fish were very affected by these hormones because it completely changed their development cycle. And it's stuff that would be sitting in the water for long periods of time, and yes, those hormones stay in the water and they stay in the fish and we're eating and drinking all those leftover hormones that were first prescribed to somebody and are now just kind of out there. It's a terrifying and very real like situation that's not... We don't have really have any good solutions to it all, because mm-hmm. uh, there's no real good way to be out there absorbing and testing for hormones. A lot of what we end up testing for for water quality ends up coming from what we pull out of the water from the vertebrates or the invertebrates more often than the, the smaller uh, animals. It's just interesting that to see it kind of come around full circle and it still be something that's that's still going on at without any real solutions to
2: the issue
1: or attention. Yeah. Or attention at I think all. when something is that scary, you just don't want to look at it if you don't that's have a scary. solution.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of a, a, everybody complains about the future generations and stuff like that and how they don't care about important things. But I think that's something that our generation and future generations can look at and maybe try to solve. Like, do we really need this much, this many hormones and, you know, chemicals in our food? I mean. I know why they did it. They did it to increase production and things like that. But at the same time, what are the repercussions of that? I mean, you know, when I was a kid, they used to make jokes about the tall kids in our class and said that they were tall because of the steroids and the beef and everything. But it's not really a joke. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, what are the negative side effects of all this? I mean, well, are, what are gonna we going to start eating? Yeah, we're going to start looking at those, looking like those fish in, in the future, or like you know.
1: Well, what do they say that they're the what of a? They're they're like the red flag of what canary in the the coal coal mine. That's the perfect example.
3: That's what you're dealing with invertebrates or the smaller invertebrates. That is your first, like, example or your first sign of there being an issue because they'll be the
1: first mutation. Exactly
3: because they're the smaller organisms, they can be affected by smaller like uh, concentrations, and they're going to be more infected because especially with amphibians, they're going to be absorbing it through their skin. But I think that's a good example, too. And we can even expand this to antibiotics as far as with the animal right. industry goes. But that's a
0: whole other.
1: That's a whole other. Yeah,
3: beast. Absolutely. Basket of fish. That's a whole other
1: basket of
0: fish. <laughs> Excellent. And, and finally, in our news section that I want to point everybody to, uh, recently at the uh, Martin Luther University, Hal Wittenberg over in the EU, they've actually found a new material that is highly efficient for data transfer. Now, this is going to get a little technical, but everything that is electronic has electricity running through it. That means that electrons move inside of your devices to provide power to them. What they have found is by using not the movement of electrons, but the spin of electrons, they can actually transfer information without generating any heat. Spin is an intrinsic characteristic of an electron. You can spin up, you can spin down. But, by using that property instead of the movement property, they're able to get a very efficient material. Now, this is still a few years off, but this is really exciting because it allows us to have materials where you can have a battery that doesn't heat up.
1: This could be, fix global warming.
0: It, it'll be one of the things that'll fix how we get big amounts of data going around. But
1: how do you open the fridge door if the fridge is spinning?
0: Well, you <laughs> spin yourself, I suppose. <laughs> I guess if it's running, we have to go catch it. Exactly.
1: It's kind of like these um, turbines that they have that they can put down into ocean currents, and then the current spins the turbine to generate electricity, but that is still generating heat.
0: It is generating heat. Uh, So anything that's going to have any motion whatsoever will generate heat over a sufficient amount of time. Uh, Any power source that we use, uh, they're not 100% effective. That means that they have some sort of loss or they generate more waste than they actually use. I guess a great example of this is a car engine. So if you put gas into your car, about 12% of the gas you actually burn makes your car go forward. So the, the internal combustion engine is very inefficient. But that being said, something like this would allow us to transfer great sums of data maybe even cell phones can download movies in a matter of seconds, which they're already getting very close to, but they'd be able to do it without wasting your battery life, which I think that's where this is going to work.
3: So if the electrons spin, they're transferring data as opposed to- Energy. Energy or charge.
0: Without moving out any, any electron. So typically a bit is a one or a zero, yeah. and that's moving along with an electron. electron. With this, they would just send the information from two spinning electrons, one spinning up and one spinning down, that's your one and that's your zero. And then another set of electrons somewhere else would go, oh, yeah, that's one. And I- if he's one, I'm zero. And by sending it that way, there's no energy transfer. It's just the transfer from spin. That's terrifying Amazing. to think of the actual speed differential. Right. It would be unbelievably fast. Yeah. And even worse than that, we would be using one of Dr. Einstein's, and as a physicist, I'm required by law to say this. It's one of Dr. Einstein's greatest things that he said with his spooky action at a distance. We're going to be right back in one moment. With our interview and our burning question with Ms. Pat. And we are back and we're going to start with our burning question. Uh, We've been passing this question around amongst ourselves, but it's how do you get your news? In today's day and age, with media being rampant and cell phones being ubiquitous, you can get your news from pretty much any source that you want or don't want. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to pass this around the horn. I want to start with you, Mr. Lumpkin. Tell me, how do you get your news? majority of the way that I get my news is what I see on my phone. It's what I see for the notifications that pop
3: up in the morning. And when I wake up, I usually get one or two or three notifications from my news app because I follow a handful of different things. I didn't actually realize how many I followed until I looked for those. But there's quite a few. And I'll I'll look off those if I really see the one that catches my eye. And that kind of makes me realize I'm very – Impulsive of my news, but I guess it's just a way that I'm trying to avoid some of the bad news that's out there right now. Sure. But it'll either be that, or if I have some free time, I'll sit around looking on Facebook. I usually avoid Twitter for news. And if I really find a story that I want to look into more, I usually look for maybe a website that I trust like NPR. But for the most part, it's whatever's rolling across that notification stream, yeah, notification stream on my phone.
0: Sure. Mr. Moreland,
2: I know you've brought up a couple of different ways you get yours. How do you get your news, Mr. Morland? Uh, I don't typically trust the mainstream media. I typically look up uh, in- news on the Internet, you know, find different sources, take things with a grain of salt, even if, you know, it's an online. So especially it's like some sources like we talked about RT before we started the podcast. Absolutely. You know, you, you don't want to just listen to one side. You want to look out and, and find things for yourself. I remember when the Ukrainian civil war was going on. I did my own research and a lot of the things that the media was actually reporting didn't match up with what was actually being said by the people on the ground, like the citizens of the country. And that kind of gave me my first shock where it was like, who's controlling the news and what are they really telling us? Are they really telling us the truth or are they telling us what they want us to think instead of what actually is happening? Sure. So I think in this day and age, you know, you have to be aware of like, you know, who's saying what for what purpose and then do your own research because you can't always trust what someone tells you. My, my dad had a football coach when he was in high school and he said, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. And it sounds silly, but it, it, it's very really irrelevant in today's society. Absolutely. You know, a lot of, lot of people want to manipulate you and fool you. So
0: no, you're absolutely right. One thing that uh, I had a mentor of mine, he used to always say that in the information era, misinformation thrives. So that's one thing to always keep your eyes on. Ms. Pat, I know you've also wanted to weigh in on this. What, what do you have? Where do you get your news from?
1: Well, I'm like Mr. Lumpkin. I have the news app on my phone, and I've subscribed to a bunch of different outlets. I think that as a TV production teacher, I have to follow what the mainstream media is saying. So I need to know what is MSNBC saying versus CNN versus Fox versus ABC. And so I do get feeds from all of them. And I wanna know what the opposing views are, where's the tension, where's the controversy. I think that is a professional reason for getting news. In my private life, if I'm going to watch the news, read the news, I'm probably more likely to use Al Jazeera or BBC from London, not BBC America as my source. I love listening to NPR, uh, also the CBC in Canada. And I do also believe That negative news is always easy to believe and positive news is not. So when you tell somebody don't do this because everybody immediately assumes I'm going to not do that anymore. But if you say you absolutely have to do this, then people are like, who's that? Who's that? They don't believe you. So I think you have to read a lot of the news between the lines and you have to remember who's creating the news. What frightens me about the news these days is that you basically have a couple of mega corporations that own all the outlets. So it's one person reporting.
2: And the ironic thing is a lot of those have connections within the government as
1: well. Or not just the government, Mm -hmm. but also with private industry. Yeah. So if the people who uh, are the head of the pharmaceutical industry and they have lobbyists in their pocket also own the media outlet, how are we really going to regulate our country or the world?
0: It's an interesting question. Uh, as for myself, I, um, I'm a little more analog when I, when I go for my news. I, one thing I've always learned is that you can tell someone's generation very quickly by finding out how they get their news or how they get information outside of what's in their purview. Um, Someone of, say, my grandfather's generation, even my father from time to time, get their news from the newspaper. My, my father, though, when I was a kid, every morning he would get up and watch the news on TV. Uh, I, myself, I read the news and I read it on the internet at the website of the place that the news was coming from. So I still do that. I'm, I'm still, I'm very stuck in my way, so to speak. I don't really use applications to get news. I always worry that applications, uh, they try to cater and I don't want them to cater to what, what they think I want to see. So I try to go directly to the website itself. For example, I, I read Politico, I read Reuters. Uh, I try to get my news directly from the website, uh, mostly because print journalism is unfortunately going by the wayside. I also pay for sources of news. For example, I have a subscription to the New York Times. I have a subscription to the Nation. Um, the Nation is a it is the oldest abolitionist paper still alive. So. At the time of abolition was when the nation was founded, and it is the only newspaper from that time frame that is still still thriving. And that's I, amazing. That's why I subscribe to them. Um, they they've been uh, for me a wellspring of knowledge. So, the question is typically if you ask, like if I was asked a high schooler, where where do you get the news from? They may tell you Facebook, not the internet, not the website, but just I get my news from Facebook or I get my news from Twitter. And that's, again, I I say, as long as you're getting the news, where it comes from is immaterial. But what I do worry about is, is that the only way you're getting your news, Uh, I also get my news. I listen to several different podcasts to get my news. And sometimes I listen to podcasts that are very specific and they talk about a very specific thing because they are experts in that field. So I get the news from them and it's wow this is a really interesting thing that i would have not thought about otherwise or maybe something in the media may not point to because again it's not their specialty so with all that said you know it comes a question of you know are there any holes in where you get your news one hole that i for sure have is i don't always get news that's relevant to the students that i teach because i read my news on the website i'm not really plugged into the latest trending hashtag or whatnot from the other social media platforms,
3: Mr. Hare, are you saying you're not getting all the fresh memes?
0: I am not getting all the fresh memes. In fact, to 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 get after people, and Mr. Mr. Moreland may appreciate this. I call them memes because it makes people very upset when you do that.
2: <laughs> Mimes from the Drew Carey Show.
0: I know, and that's again <laughs> another deep they
1: cut. They don't know who
0: that is. They do not. So. Um,
1: I have an update for yes, you. Absolutely. According to Yearbook Club. Miss Pop, memes are so two thousand fourteen.
0: Oh, well then we are behind the times. But then again, if we were ahead of the times, we would be uh, we'd be recording a YouTube channel and not
2: an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah, my, my joke now when I say you guys and your face places and your my books. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kylie, my co teacher, said they don't know what my, MySpace is. Mr. They Kiley. do not. <laughs> know. And it's
0: ironic because I, I have known people in my life and my personal life who did not know anything about technology, but had a MySpace website with music and, and the moving pictures. And it was the most elaborate things. And they coded it themselves in HTML. And when I asked them about it, they said, oh, yeah, I did. I remember making it myself. I said, if you had stuck with this, you could be making a lot of money right now mm-hmm. coding for somebody yes. else.
2: Just imagine what the world would be like if instead of Facebook becoming popular, MySpace had. You know MySpace what? was popular. The no, world, like, world would be our space. Yeah, it would have been probably be. better. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We would all
0: be Tom's friend, and that is very creepy. To
3: well, me. he's always going to be my top seven.
0: Top seven.
2: (laughs) Lesser of two evils, Tom or or Mark Zuckerberg. Uh,
0: Again, you said you wanted 90s talk. You got your 90s throwback right here. So with that being said, I want to turn from our burning question directly to what is by far one of the best segments we have on the show is interviewing a special guest. And this is where we get to ask Miss Pap some questions, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Not at all. I'm delighted. Thank you for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. We love having you. Where did you grow up, Ms. Pat?
1: I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto.
0: This is Canada. Canada. Ontario,
2: Canada.
1: Ontario, Canada. I was, um, I'm born in New York City and uh, we moved right away to Queens and then to Long Island. And then when I was about three and a half, we uh, got in the old uh, Pinto and with a moving truck. Not to cut you
0: off, but a Pinto is a very old vehicle my young listeners. It's
1: an old hatchback and uh, headed north. And uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto.
0: What was that like? What was the area like? Was it urban? Was it suburban? Was it rural?
1: Well, uh, I was initially in Thornhill until I was about 13, which is kind of urban suburban. Okay. You're really, really close to downtown and all the major arteries. And right now, Toronto re- did its city zones. So now it's part of greater Toronto. In those days, it wasn't. And oh, then yeah. when I was uh, 13, we moved way up north, 40 minutes. And I grew up on the shores of a big lake where most people just had their cottages. Okay, And it became much more of a rural experience. But um but I was at an epic high school. We had like 2,000 students.
0: That's a big school. It's about mm-hmm. the same size of school I went to. Yeah. So now my next question for you is, where did you go to school? Let's talk about high school, college, anything you'd like to share with us.
1: So high school for two years, I went to a school of the arts where you had to audition to get in. Oh wow! And I was there as a visual artist. And then I realized that on top of doing the regular workload of high school and doing all these art courses, uh, I had no life. So halfway through, I transferred to the school that was closer to where I was living at the time, up in that rural area, and uh, did my last two years of high school there. So Unionville High School, and then Sutton District High School. After that, I went to Trent University, which is Canada's small, outstanding university.
0: That sounds like a nice place to go to school. It was
1: fantastic. It was in Peterborough, Ontario, on the banks of the Otanabee River. It's really known for science, and uh, has a regatta every fall. And it was a fun place to go. It's small university, so everybody knows everybody. We called all our professors by name. It's really cool.
3: Excellent. And then I did
1: um, my undergraduate degree was a four year honors degree in English literature and history. Oh wow! And then for my graduate degree is I have a master's degree in history that I earned at Central European University in Budapest, Hungary. That's an American accredited university. And uh, all my courses were in English, but I studied with students from all over the former Soviet bloc. Oh, wow. With the missive, it was uh, founded by the Open Society Institute, George Soros, yep. and the missive there is if you promote open societies from the top down, that is you educate people and then send them back to their home countries They become the leaders of businesses and government, and they change their countries from the top down.
0: That's an excellent uh, mission statement they have there. Mm -hmm. Is the school, was it in Hungary? And it's still there now. Did you, so you took classes while in Hungary?
1: I lived, uh, yes, I lived in Hungary while I did my graduate degree. I stayed there for a while and I worked for an English language publication right afterwards. Excellent. So I was in Europe for several years before coming back.
0: So my question then, what inspired you to go into education?
1: I had always wanted to be a teacher, but um, I actually have this really clear memory from when I was a kid. I had this little red table that I used to play silly putty on, and I remember squishing the silly putty out onto newspaper, and remember that satisfying feeling, you'd peel it back and the whole print would be on there, Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up, and I wanted to be a teacher, a writer, and to own my own business, and The first thing I did was own my own business. The second thing I did was become a writer, and now I'm a teacher. So So I think-
0: you've hit all three?
1: Yes, I think I'm following my dreams.
0: So we asked this question, uh, this is a very open-ended question on purpose, but what is the role of a school?
1: I think from, I'm also a parent. So I have two children, ages 10 and 12. And I think when I send my children to school, my idea of the role of a school is very different from being a teacher and what I think my role as a teacher at a school is and what the role of the school is from that vantage point. I think as parents, as a community, we wanna send our kids to school and we want them to learn the basics. We want all of our population to be literate in a number of subjects. Uh, We want people to excel in the areas where they excel inherently and we want them to pass in the areas where they don't excel. And I think that's a norm that we strive for because it creates some kind of a standard. And I agree with that. In terms of how you implement that as a teacher, I just, you know, if we go back to what Mr. Lumpkin said, his news article at the beginning of the show about offering mental health days and whatnot, We are human beings operating in an environment with human beings, and people have different needs on a day-to-day basis, and sometimes someone, you know, a student crying and you handing them a box of Kleenex is a lot more important than them finishing that quiz, and I think when you're an educator being able to tell time and place and what's the priority here, healthy children equals fantastic learners. Absolutely. And mental health is a really, really big obstacle to a lot of kids in high school. I know it was for me. I hated high school. I did not want to be in high school. The fact that I'm now teaching in a high school is so ironic.
2: <laughs> Same that you, here. That is it's usually how it anxiety.
0: goes. Same
1: here. Absolutely
0: how it goes. <laughs> uh, final question is by far what I think is the most important. Um, what are three books that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body?
1: The Alchemist.
0: Okay, I'm amazing.
1: I love that book. Who's Paolo, the author of Paulo Coelho. And it's it's an amazing story about an Andalusian shepherd boy who goes on an epic adventure to discover his destiny. Okay. It's also a really short book, so kind of like The Little Prince or something. You can read it in a couple of sittings.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: that changed my life. That book changed my life.
3: All right. Any others?
1: Yes. A Room with a View. Love that book. It's a classic, classic for a reason, because it's so darn good. I love how you can reread that book. I have now reread it three times. And, you know, the first time it's just a sweeping story. And the second time you start to notice all of these things. And the third time it's like a guidebook for life. You have one of the protagonists is having ex- existential angst, which every teenager is going through. Absolutely. And half of us past our teen years are still going through. Absolutely. What's the meaning to it all? What is, the in point? the book, they call it the eternal why. So mm-hmm. it's all about how we address the eternal why. And at the end of the day, it's through love.
0: Yes, ma'am. Who's the author of A Room With The View? Emerson. Emerson Forster. And finally, your last book.
1: And this sounds so weird, okay? But I don't mean it in a really preachy, weird way. Sure. It's actually the Bible. Sure. As a historian, I find it so fascinating that this is a living document that's over 2000 years old that we are using to inform the morality of our modern day times. Absolutely. So to read the stories, if you just randomly open. Now, I my copy of the Bible is from my first year university course on theology. And it's the New International version version. So it's not King James. It's it's New International means it's as close to a direct translation of the original text as possible. And where experts have disagreed about what the text means, it's in footnotes right at the bottom of the page that you can immediately reference. Okay. And it tells you what the original text in Aramaic said. And it will also tell you if they only found a fragment where the sentence wasn't completed oh, and wow. how it's been reinterpreted since then. So, I think it's fascinating how these stories are contradictory and they are, in some cases, fantastical, like in Revelations, when this thing descends in the desert, and the only way to read it is that it's a UFO. It's like a disc with lights and it's spinning and it settles down in the desert. Hello, what is that? Yeah. I mean, you don't really need to look to modern science fiction or fantasy to get some crazy stories. Of course. So I would say those those are the three books that have most influenced me and that I think are most relatable to um, definitely teenagers, but also anyone trying to make sense of living life in this world.
0: Absolutely. We're going to make sure all three of these books are going to be in our show notes, so anyone who's interested can do so. We're also going to have everything else we've talked about, including a link to our Twitter page and a link to those beautiful pictures that Mr. Moreland has found for us. <laughs> and now we're going to hit the end of the episode here. We're going to do our last thing where we want to kind of steer everyone's attention to. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin, you got anything that you want to just sign off with today? I
3: oh, the sign off with today? I'm just hoping everyone's having a good day. I hope everyone's doing okay, and I hope everyone's Feeling good now that we've gotten through almost a month into the next semester. Almost a month. Because I know I'm stressed. I can't imagine where the kids are at. Uh,
2: And then, yeah, yeah, I think that's where I'm at with that. I believe you've got a little bit something there, Mr. Morland. Oh, yes. Uh, MPHS 2019 Spirit Week begins. On Monday. Mm -hmm. On Monday, the 16th, Pajama Day. Absolutely. It's going to be Monday, and I have been informed that if you are apprehensive about wearing your pajamas to school, you can wear sweatpants and a t-shirt. Excellent. I think I'm going to be doing that Tuesday's Tie-Dye T-Shirt Day, or just Tie-Dye Day. I guess you can wear anything tie-dye. And we're planning on tie-dyeing some t-shirts ourselves. We are. So we'll be in with that. And then Wednesday's Disney Character Day, and I just wanted to inform everybody that because Disney acquired Star Wars and Marvel, those Ooh. count as Disney characters.
1: cast at And yes. Fox.
2: Well, yes, well not, that's kind of a, they, they lost Spider-Man.
1: What about Nickelodeon?
2: That's not Disney.
1: Oh, it's not? No. I was saying no. it Disney
2: also bought the X-Men. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. But mm-hmm. the 90s throwback day on Thursday, you can use Nickelodeon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I'm gonna be actually having a tougher time with that one than I am the other three days. And then sure. finally on Friday, freshmen wear blue, sophomores wear gold, juniors wear white, and seniors wear black. And I'm always, you know, upset they don't include what colors the, the teachers, teachers are supposed wear. to wear. But I guess yeah. if you're a teacher, just figure out how many classes you have. Like if you teach mostly sophomores, you just go with them. If you teach mostly freshmen, be blue. Mostly juniors white, mostly seniors black. So just, you know, use your own discretion for that. Absolutely. Ms. Papp, anything you want to point everybody to?
1: I would love to do a little sign-off, which is remember as you go through your day, there are two kinds of people, people who see problems and people who solve them. It's much more valuable. Be a contributor, solve a problem.
0: Excellent. The last thing I wanted to point out to everybody, we did get some student feedback. I had a young man come up to me. Uh, earlier this week, and he said he loved our discussion on superheroes. He was really engrossed in it. And he asked me, what are some of our favorite villains of all time? And so I want to start with you, Mr. Uh, Mister Lumpkin. Who, who you got? Who's your favorite villain favorite of
3: all time? villain of all time. I've always had a soft spot for really fantastical, like, ethereal, like, horror when it comes to a villain. Like, Again, there's a lot to be really appreciated in a villain that I can understand where they're coming from, what they're moving towards. I like that, but nothing really beats just something that I can't comprehend, that I can't understand that's beyond me. I don't know what it is, but if I'm looking for a villain, and I don't even know if this qualifies as a villain. If I'm looking for a villain, I'm either going for Cthulhu, or if I have to give an example that's more really close to my heart, I'm looking at like Crimson King for a book series from a long time ago. Yeah, okay. um, or for like a what is that? That Stark Tower by Stephen King. But it is, yeah. The idea of some otherworldly beyond our comprehension, beyond our power—that just even the thought of. Sure. brings us madness I, that that for me just hits so many notes
0: absolutely I know that's
3: probably not what they're looking for they're probably looking for some some super villains or something a little bit crazier I think we I'm should leave it there the beyond <laughs> you
0: any
2: villain that's beyond you I like that a lot mr. uh mr. Morland
3: uh, favorite villain
2: I'm gonna try to stick with the theme and do super <laughs> villains uh the lizard from the spider-man series absolutely dr. Curtis Connor yes and the reason being is he's he's a tragic figure. He is a tragic he, figure, yeah. That's was, a good example. He had an amp- he, amputation is missing an arm, and he's yep. trying to figure out scientifically how to regrow his arm and yes. using the same, succeeds. Yet the same technology that created Spider-Man infuses himself with lizard DNA because lizards, of course, can grow back their tails. You know, Absolutely. It's a defense mechanism, but the tragic side effect is it turns him into a monster. Anybody who's seen the amazing Spider-Man film you know that obviously, not that many people voted for on the.
1: <laughs> poll. Absolutely, God, I would have voted for that
2: one. Knows that that's a story point in that movie, and I think they did it very well. And I actually really enjoyed that character because it's a it's a very tragic figure, Absolutely. and I also enjoyed the fact that he. Oh, well, I'm not going to say that because it's spoiler alert. But Absolutely, the point is that's I like that because even though he's technically a villain, he was intending to do something good, and it just kind of backfired on him. Miss mm. Pap. Any favorite villains? Uh,
1: Well, I think those are cerebral, and mine is primal. I was absolutely terrified growing up and had bad dreams for a long, long time uh, about two witches, one being the witch from Snow White, a 1930s movie. She gives that apple. Oh, that she was creepy. She was. And then the other one was the witch from The Wizard of Oz with her cackle, and when she, like, dissolved into a puddle, whoo. that took me some time to get over
0: i can only imagine Uh, i don't really have any one villain as you all know i read a lot of comics so any one of spider-man's rogue galleries is up there for me any one of batman's rogue gallery is up there for me Uh, an underrated rogues gallery is the flash um i always thought he was wildly entertaining because all of his villains were wildly entertaining Uh, one that sticks out to me is black adam from uh captain marvel because he's he's so many things but evil isn't one of them. He's just a man displaced in time. And so he's looking for that that one way to do it. But uh, as far as Marvel villains go, one villain that has always stuck out to me that I've always kind of respected and always had just a great deal of, if he's involved, I'm interested. And that's got to be Dr. Doom. And I just his name is perfect. His backstory <laughs> is perfect. He may or may not have a legitimate beef with Dr. Reed Richards. And it just was always one of my favorites to see him go toe to toe with the two greatest minds in the Marvel universe, going back and forth. That was always for me something I enjoyed. I I like to see that that heady uh, that heady interplay. Uh, If any of you have seen the uh, Robert Downey Jr. um, Sherlock Holmes movies, uh, Moriarty is also uh, a great villain.
1: Fantastic!
2: Very good choice. He's a very good villain. Yes, sir. To add to DC villain that I like the best, and this is going to be kind of a weird answer. Solomon Grundy. Born on a Monday. That's right. (laughs) In the Super Friends, I hate to say it when I was a kid. This is how silly I was. Whenever Solomon Grundy showed up and spoke with his zombie southern accent, (laughs) I started laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. (laughs) Because I remember there was one episode where uh, they were fighting the Super Friends, and Solomon Grundy had the gall to challenge Superman. He said, Solomon Grundy stop you Salmon Grenley stronger than Super Friends and he comes up and gives Superman a bear hug and Superman is like what is this he just like you know tosses him away it like, <laughs> yeah. sounds was like that Superman was the funniest thing ever that sounds but like in, Superman in terms of a novel I'm not going to give too much away because I'm planning on teaching this novel to my 12th grade class next semester Heathcliff
0: from oh yeah
2: Wuthering Heights Big time that's
0: very interesting I like that, that a lot that is interesting well once again, ladies and gentlemen, and has come to an end of our time here. We'd like to thank you all for being with us. Again, I'd like to point you to our Twitter account. That is at PWUT podcast or what podcast. You can always catch us there. We will be posting there. We will have a new poll for you either today or tomorrow. So that's either Thursday or Friday. And again, make sure you watch Good Morning MP. A new episode will be coming soon. Stay tuned for details. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach out to any of our three hosts. We would gladly put you on the air. And with all that being said, Manassas Spark, thank you for listening. Good night and good luck.